Welcome to the Leverage 3 Podcast. This is the place where high performers bring you three tactics you can leverage every day to impact your business and life. I'm Craig Shoemaker, and today's guest is Amardeep Parmar. Amardeep is the founder of the BAE HQ, host and former editor of Entrepreneur's Handbook, where he interviewed the likes of founders of Netflix and Twitter. So, you know, no pressure for me or anything like that. He's the second fastest writer to get to 50K followers on Medium after that political upstart Barack Obama and a staff writer for Indie Hackers and Adventure Scout. Amardeep, it is a pleasure to have you here today. Well, thanks so much for inviting me on. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. And uh, you and I were introduced from a, uh, a mutual friend and he was telling me kind of about your unique perspective when it comes to approaching I would say not only business, but also kind of your philosophy on life. And I was wondering if you could just kind of tell us a bit about what led to that and and, and how you approach things. I think it's interesting because I think I've changed so much over the last few years. And a lot of people who meet me today, they think I've always been like how I am. Whereas in reality, when if you rewind five years, 10 years, I was really insecure. And I was driven by that need to prove myself or a lot of the time to prove myself to myself, where because I felt like I wasn't achieving enough or I wasn't doing good enough, then I put so much pressure on myself. And for example, I traveled the world, right? I've done nearly 50 countries. Did I do that because I love traveling or because I felt like I needed to make something or do something to show off or whatever it was? Like right. it's something I can say to myself, oh, I've been to 50 countries. And I felt like I was living life a bit like that. Or what's the next achievement? What's the next thing to do? And at some point, I think the mirror just smashed where I was seeing the real problems that some of my friends were going through. And some of them were really going through quite tough mental struggles. And as I was trying to give them advice, I realized, wait, I'm going through these same mental processes. And I grew up in the environment of believing that people who had these kind of thoughts were weak. And Mm -hmm. that was a toxic masculinity, I guess, behind there. And as I grew up, I realized, actually, this is really common, these struggles that people face. And it changed the way I think about things and tried to look at things from a much more like holistic point of view. And another big turning point was the elections. So we had Brexit in the UK and we had a Trump election in America, where I was very much of the camp of, oh, nobody, that's never going to happen. And it started to make me realize just how much I didn't understand people who were around me, right? I think some people right. kind of doubled out on their views. Whereas I instead was like, actually, there's something wrong here because I think I understand how the world works, but it's 50% of the population that I don't understand. So it tried to make me seek out different points of view. And I think that's made me a much more understanding person that's filtered through into my philosophy about the way I do work and the way I live my life. Building a business is tough and even tougher when you do it alone. So why not use proven systems to help grow your business and focus your message? Now, Dan Coe is the creator's creator. His system found in the two-hour writer helps you cultivate your best ideas, and the Modern Mastery community is there to challenge and support your growth every step of the way. I'm there, and you should be too. So go to leverage3podcast.com slash co, that's K-O-E, let's get you going. So taking a step back for a second, I think it'd be interesting to, to kind of pull out a little bit more of your story. So like, how did things get started for you? And then how did you end up becoming established as an entrepreneur? So my original job was as a consultant, right? In technology where I was doing well, but I was a bit bored really. And then because I started to get more into personal growth, reading a lot, I think it really came from that. I was reading so much and 
trying to get different people's opinions and then I was disagreeing with a lot of what I was reading, right? Because if you're reading so many different books, they all have different ideas and then I would put my own flavour on that. And that led me to Medium. And Medium has a lot of articles and especially I think when I started reading, the quality was really high at that time. So I was reading all the articles and I agreed with a lot of them. But I was also thinking, actually, I don't agree with that point. And originally what it was, I started commenting a lot. So I just started commenting on other people's articles, never think I'd actually write an article myself. But it was... December 2019 and you have the whole new year, new me. Oh yeah, next year I'm going to start writing. It's a productive little side hobby. Nobody's ever going to care, but it's something to focus my mind and process my own thoughts. And there was never this idea that I'd ever work myself. There was no, there was no big vision for this at all. It was just simply, can I put my ideas down? Can I process the way I think? But I got lucky. So my first ever article went viral. 100,000 people read it. And once that happens, first one, yep. Wow. (laughs) And once that happened, you start thinking, oh, actually, and people ask me, how did you find your writing voice? And I didn't even know what a writing voice was. I just thought, oh, I just write how I talk, (laughs) right? Right. And you're getting all these questions of people being like, oh, how long have you studied writing for? "Mm, I just kind of did it. And you almost feel like they're imposter. And obviously it doesn't work like that, right? So it took me a long time to actually have another hit again. But it also pandemic hit. So because the pandemic hit, I had way more time. So what I started doing is really studying the craft and understanding, okay, this first article did well. Why did it well? What was actually good about the way I wrote? Because in many ways, it was a fluke. I didn't know what I was doing. But as I went through that process and that journey of trying to basically prove that I was a one-hit wonder, then I started getting hit after hit, and that enabled me to grow very fast. I became the editor of one of the major publications on the platform that was around June 2020 and it's still a bit crazy right because I'd only been writing for six months and then I became an editor and I, I had a conversation with the guy who runs it afterwards and he didn't realize how little time he'd been writing when he hired me and if he'd known that he probably wouldn't have done it so it just shows that like these different opportunities came along and I was able to seize them and by being the editor of publication your writing ability goes up so quickly right because you're not having to analyze other people's articles it's a really quick way to learn and even at this point, I started to beat my day job income on the side, but it still wasn't ever this idea I'd ever take it full time. I didn't have, my identity was, I was corporate, I was a consultant. I went to school, I got good grades, went to university, I got good grades, I went into a professional job, I got promotions. And this identity shift started coming about because I was realizing I'm enjoying what I'm doing on the side way more. I'm earning more from it. But I just couldn't take that plunge. And it took me a really long time to do it. And it wasn't until, I think, February 2021, where I was looking at this thinking, well, what am I doing here? Because I kind of hit a level in my day job where I didn't know I wanted to do next. The next promotion, I would have to work for a few more years just because of that's the rules, right? You have to do X number of years. And I was thinking, I'm coasting. I'm not growing. I'm coasting. And this other thing I'm doing, this could really go somewhere. Who knows? And I'm going to regret never trying. And obviously this was around the time the pandemic ended. Well, didn't end, but things were starting to open up, right? We decided, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I had a choice. I had, during the pandemic, I didn't have a social life because you couldn't do anything, right? But then I had to choose between social life, my day job, and my side hustles. And the job lost because I could only do two out of those three. Sure. And once I took it full time, I then 
started my own podcast, then started another podcast for Entrepreneur's Handbook, and that's one that has the names you mentioned there. And I started doing a lot of work behind the scenes as well with startups and helping them because it's this amazing thing of once you've grown a public presence, people start coming to you and it's all very surreal to me still. It's still, it's only been three years ago today. If you told me I'd be where I am today, it wouldn't have made any sense. I still, I wouldn't have believed you. And it's riding that wave now, right? Like I'm very lucky to be where I am. And obviously there is skill behind that and I can admit that, but I took some opportunities that a lot of people just don't put themselves out there to get opportunities in the first place. And that's set all of this emotion. Now, now part of that came with, I would imagine your, in, your background of being a consultant, uh, growing an audience, having people coming to you for advice or, or just, you know, a business strategy, things of that nature that you're, you're in a place where you're, you're giving out advice that you're kind of coaching and leading people. But I, I think part of what we were saying while we were uh, off recording was that, you know, you were sort of telling a story that maybe you weren't living at that moment. A lot of my work was about this idea of balance. And I think sometimes, you know, the best thing for other people to do is, but it's really hard to take your own advice. And what I found is that I had all these ideas that would help me. And I'd use them for a few months and then I'd stop using them myself. And I'd flip, flip something else. And you start making excuses for yourself, right? If it was my friend doing it, I'd be like, what are you doing? You're crazy. You need to stop working so hard. When it's me, <laughs> right. I was like, oh, but I can do it. And oh, yeah, I'll be fine. Right. And you make all Just these excuses. Sleeping, you know? Yeah. And I was realizing that I was coming to different breaking points, right? Where I've been working myself for a while. I took on fairly big clients, like people who've got unicorn companies, whatever like that. And I was enjoying it all. But at the same time, one example I use is like cake is amazing, right? But if you're having 20 different types of cake every day, even though each one tastes good individually, it's too much. You can't handle it. You're going to be sick. And that's what started to happen to me. And I could be in denial for a while, but it was catching up for me. And the problem is I'm very self-aware. I know exactly what I'm doing wrong, but sometimes I just don't act on it. So I can tell you, I know exactly what I'm doing right. Even right now, I'm probably working a bit too hard. I can tell you that, but I'm still going to continue doing it. And that's why you need the people around you to look out for you. And I try to be as open and honest about that as possible because it needs other people around me can say, you need to step back or you need to do this because you can delude yourself quite easily. And the mind is really capable of doing that. And I, so what essentially happened is in July this year, that's when I decided okay, I'm going to take a break and I flew out to New York. And it was going to have a working trip in a way because it's going to meet some of the people I'd met through the online world who I'd had chats with but never got to meet in person. So I could justify it as a business trip for my taxes, and my expenses as well. And it was meant to be 10 days. On the third day out there, as I woke up in the morning, it was a Sunday morning, I got looked at my phone and there's a message that my dad had gone to A&E with COVID. And it was, well, I say A&E, it was resuscitation ward. So he was basically on the edge. So I then had to try and fly back as soon as I could. And while being there, not knowing what was going to be the situation when I landed. So what happened is that when I took this break back then, so that was July, so that's five months ago now, however long it's been, that was me knowing I needed a break. And since then, I haven't been able to take a break. So it's just all that stress and stuff is built up. That's still there underlying. 
And I'm now trying really conscious to address that and really practice what I'm preaching, where I'm still going, yes, because I think I need to just keep myself sane. But there's so many things that are going on behind the scenes that I'm trying to work out and trying to do things as whole as I can. So, so good friends that I had in college used to always ask me this question. We'd get into philosophical or whatever conversations and he would say, okay, well, what does that look like with legs? So what does that look like in, in a practical sense? We're in this environment, um, including social media and, and other, other aspects of our lives where we're seeing people achieving wonderful and amazing things. And of course we only see the success stories. We often don't see what happens in the interim. So how do you give yourself space to learn, grow, perhaps self-care is a, a part of that and do that and not feel like I'm not keeping up, I'm not achieving, I'm not, I'm not doing what I need to do? I think a big part of it is not lying about anything. So I always say, if somebody asks me how I am, I'd never lie. And I think it's a default human reaction, especially in the Western world, to just say, how's it going? Yeah, I'm good. How are you doing? And they're not good. Like they've got some problems or they're <laughs> upset or like they've just had a divorce or whatever's happened. But it's just a default for us to say we're good. And it's that thing. If you don't answer that question, then we should get used to expecting a real answer. And that's what I've been doing. So the people I'm meeting, I'm constantly meeting people who three years ago had intimidated the hell out of me, right? If they're earning billions or they've got this many followers, whatever it is like that. But if I can just be real with them and say, look, I'm doing this because it's my mission. I'm trying to do this to continue my dad's legacy. But in reality, I'm not okay. And I'm struggling in different ways. But there's this duality to me, right? And if I can be open and honest about that, I think that's a huge part of it. Because I'm not playing somebody. It's, I'm... I can smile. Like I know, for example, if I'm smiling like this and talking like this, it makes people feel comfortable, makes people feel welcome. I can talk like that, but it's still, how I try to think about it, it's still being authentic because I'm doing that because I want people to feel comfortable and engage in the conversation. But the actual words I'm saying, I'm never lying. And it's that thing that I think sometimes confuses people is that I can be very coherent while saying things that they expect somebody to be on the floor saying. <laughs> And I think that paradox really messes with some people because they just assume that I'm okay. And I'm telling them I'm not okay. But you have almost this gaslighting situation. Like, oh, but you're doing this and you're doing that. It's like, yeah, but I'm telling you how like, only I can tell how I'm feeling inside. And I think that's so important because people can just look at you and see what you're doing and make certain assumptions. And all you can do is be honest with them. And I think that's a huge thing that helps me. And you'll find people, when you're honest with them like that, they will care. People will try to empathize with you. And I've seen in the past where people with different leaders, for example, they'll be going through some stuff and you then hear their employees being like, oh, they're a terrible person or my boss is evil. But we're all just people, right? So they, your boss is going to be going through their own personal stuff that maybe they don't talk about. So you think they're just being this caricature of an evil boss. But in reality, maybe they've got a kid and they can't sleep at night. And there's all these different things that can affect people. And that's what I'm trying to con consciously do all the time. But at the same time, I'm perfect, right? I still get annoyed at people. I still get frustrated. And I just try to pull myself back when that happens and try to think, okay, is this person the worst thing and I'm just really angry at them? Or is it actually just maybe 
they're just human, they made a mistake or some misunderstanding. And I'm trying to get better at that continuing. I think that really helps. Because if you let that anger take set, especially when something like what happened to my dad has happened, it can just consume you. So I let myself be annoyed, but I don't let it just really take over me. Well, I, I think that that suffering is is one of the constants of, of the human condition that I mean, it, it's, it's, it is a constant. It's unavoidable. It, it largely depends on how you choose to deal with it. That determines your happiness, your relationships with people, like so many aspects of our lives. I'm curious though, because again, constructs of our culture kind of almost dictate that you don't show weakness, that you, you don't burden other people with your, your problems. Like have have you had situations to where you've just been like, Oh, you're going to ask me, I'm going to be honest. And they're like, Whoa, hold on a second. I don't know what's going on here. In a way. No, I think most people have been, really understanding but i think what is sometimes internalized where for example if i need help some i won't mess with my friends because i'm worried that i'm going to be burdening them and that's a tough thing where because in some ways in public or people see me posting then sometimes friends might not reach out because they think oh he must be doing well like he's okay and that's something because people struggle because then it's understandable why they're acting the way they are because they think, okay, he's doing well. Like I don't need to check up on him. Like I can see he's posting every day and they think, okay, it's fine. And it's that communication is quite a difficult one where my job requires me to be public. It requires me to right. be like this, right? Where I can talk coherently, I can smile, all that stuff, right? Right. And that's quite a difficult thing because what I know that I have a tendency to do, especially in the past, is that if I feel like people aren't supporting me, I tend to internalize it where I say, they're not supporting me because maybe I'm not worth that support. And that's something I know that I really, it was like a dark thing that I had in my head maybe 10 years ago, five years ago. And when something like this happens, sometimes that voice comes back and it's something which I'm very conscious of that I need to suppress. I need to make sure that I don't let it, like the seed, like because once it's, that idea is seeded, it can grow and I need to just stop that poison essentially. And I'm lucky that I've got that self-awareness now to be able to call it out rather than to just have this negative idea, which a lot of people have, right? Because you can just spiral and it's how do you stop that spiral? It's just, you've got to like stamp out straight away. You've got to tell people as well. Cause when you say it out loud, it sounds really stupid, right? And when it's a voice in your head, just talking to yourself, it can really get at you. When you start saying it out loud, you realize, oh, obviously that's a ridiculous thing. That is my fault that people aren't supporting me. It's just everyone has busy lives. Everything's got different stuff going on. It's just trying to communicate as best as I can. Right. Well, and uh, yeah, we're everybody is consumed with the thing that's most important to them. And so it's very easy to kind of spin up these narratives in our minds of, well, this person doesn't like me for some reason because they didn't answer an email for a week or, or, or something like that. Um, I, I'm curious as, as you, this seems like a, a muscle that you've developed it, it probably, you're, you're probably in a, a better and perhaps more healthy state now than you were a year ago, two years ago. Are there certain practices that you use in order to strengthen you, yourself, your character in this way? I think a lot of it comes down to really questioning myself. Why do I think this? And especially when it's a negative thought like that, because 
when you really boil it down, for example, it's if you've had a betrayal in the past or someone's broken your trust in the past, that's why you think the way you do or that's why you're acting in a certain way. And a big part of it too is just looking at other people in this world and thinking, okay, is it because like is it is it because they're evil or is it just because of what's going on in their heads and trying to put myself in their shoes properly and not just the idea of like what would they think because sometimes people do things like I just doesn't make any sense to me at all right and you must experience the same thing <laughs> like this like how can they think this way but right. I, I think it's um one book that I think really had a big effect on me was Yuval Noah Harari's um Sapiens and obviously it's the idea of human history but a bit that stood out is the idea of stories because we all grow up with different stories and different narratives. And those stories that we're told, whether from ourselves or from the people around us, then affect our reality. And if somebody's had a history of certain people in their life, things like that, or it's the whole thing that it perpetuates, right? Kids who are bullied become bullies. All, all that sort of stuff, because that's what they're used to. And when you can identify that in yourself and say, well, I'm acting this way because of that, I think there's a big deal. And is even, for example, with therapy, right? So Americans are much more open about therapy than in Britain, right? Here is still a bit of a taboo, especially within my community. And I've been saying to people since my dad passed away, I'm going to go to therapy, I'm going to get it sorted out. I haven't done it yet. It's been four months. I know it's the right thing to do, but I haven't done it yet. And I know why I'm not doing it in some ways, because I know there's a kind of worm set that I don't necessarily want to open. But I'm at least self-aware enough, and what I've done is set myself a... A target. So I use like the if-then plans. I want to get to this point, then I'll do this. And because I keep telling people, okay, once this happened, then I'm going to do it. It gives me that support in that way. And what I found is some of my practices broke down where I kept a gratitude journal for three years. And then after my dad passed away, I haven't done it once. And I know that I need to get back into it again, but I haven't done it yet. And by coming on here and admitting that, and it's where the honesty comes into play, right? If I'm very honest about these things, then it keeps me accountable, right? Because I know I should really be doing that. And so hopefully this weekend, I'll start doing it again. Because <laughs> I, I do it, what I used to do is every, once a week, I have that gratitude practice because it's something I could maintain. Some people do it every day. I know that realistically, I'm never going to do that. So it's also being honest with yourself about that, right? I'm, ne I'm never going to be the person before bed every yeah. day is going to write down things. But I was doing it every, was it Sunday morning? Every Sunday morning when I wake up, I write down everything that comes to my mind of the great things from the past week. And that was such a strength to me throughout these years. But what happens when like a death happens in the family, for example, you go into that fight or flight mode. And it's the whole, it's like, I know exactly the wrong things I'm doing right now. But at the same time, I also know that, like I said, the muscle built up over time through the different things I've done that help in the past, where I have a bit of time where I can do these negative toxic habits in some ways, as long as I pull myself back up again. So what I built is that resilience or that, because if let's say my, I'm watching a video here, right? So like, let's say I started off here. So anything that would knock me on purpose would go straight nosedive. If I'm at a stronger mental state to begin with, then a little knock actually doesn't take me down that far. And that's what's happening, right? Is I've got that bank of positivity built up. And I think that's such an important thing where when things are going well, don't take it for granted. Keep that journal, keep that gratitude in progress. 
Because then when something does take you off course, you're, you're working from a stronger base. When, and you have that to, to look back on, you know, you, you have that base, but yet since it's recorded, you, I forget things like <laughs> my wife <laughs> so much. <laughs> She's like, I don't know how you keep a job sometimes. You can't remember the thing I told you like five minutes ago. I get the same thing. Like I have to remember a hundred <laughs> different people's names and all these different things that are going on. But if you right. ask me what I had for lunch yesterday, I look... <laughs> It's just, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes the the question I hate the most is, what did you do this weekend? I'm like, I, I did something. I have a family. I know I did something. But <laughs> I, think that, I think the key to what you're saying, though, is is that ability to be honest with yourself. And, and I know that I have, pity is not the right word, but I, I get frustrated sometimes when I meet people who are unwilling to want to expend the energy to improve themselves in any way. I mean, it could be, you know, reading, it could be conversations, perhaps it's therapy, maybe it's journaling, whatever. It's just like, no, I, I just want to continue on with my life and, and kind of hope everything gets better. And, and, and I think that the ability to stop it, and I think that honesty is oftentimes the hardest part because we definitely have this self-preservation of wanting it's not blind spots are there because we can't see them, but are also, they're also there sometimes because we don't look for them. Right. And, uh, so I, I think that honesty that you're pulling out is, is something that's huge. I think another big part of this as well, for example, the strength, right. Is that my background is that I was in the national squad of karate. I've done a dozen optical course races in multiple countries. I've danced on stage in front of thousands of people. So I did a speech, at my dad's funeral. So I can point to these things being like, I am strong. It doesn't matter what people think because I've got these milestones in a way. And what's interesting to me is that I shouldn't need those milestones. So I go back to those milestones and thinking, well, people can't accuse me of being weak because, well, I was a black belt. Like, I'm not weak. <laughs> but right. what you need ideally is to not have to have any of that at all. Right? I shouldn't have to depend on that to prove myself that I'm strong. It's got to come from that internal perspective. And that's what I say to people in some ways as well. It's like, find out what it is about yourself that you're really proud of, that you can just say, like, it doesn't matter what people say, because I've done this. I'm this person. When my friends needed me, I was there. And it doesn't need to be about proof. You don't need to say it to other people. It's about you telling yourself, right. I was there. I'm strong because I was able to do this. And whatever it is, it's just keeping track of those things that really make you proud about yourself. Because then when things do go wrong, you can always be like, well, I was a person that did this. I was a person that did that. So I've got it in me and I can do this. And it doesn't matter who you are, right? Everybody's got something like that. I point to national squad work like that, but it's even the simple things of when my friend was really in need, I stopped what I was doing and went to do it. That's what I told myself. That's a person I am. And if I can keep creating, like remembering these stories, and we all got positive moments, right? So, for example, with your wife, where you might forget what you had for lunch, what you did last week. But it's going to be those moments where you know that you're a really good husband. And when you can tell yourself that, it can stop some of the negativity from really spiraling. spiraling. So, obviously, there's, there's a lot there when it comes to, to personal development. But it seems like all, all of this work, all of this perspective that you have, it, it's going to influence you professionally as well. So I'm just curious, like, how have you seen that affect your relationships with other people and, and your work? 
I think the honesty side of things and the vulnerability, you see, it's being vulnerable about being honest about the vulnerability, right? That is what's got me to where I am. Because through the writing, I'm not trying to impress people all the time. I'm just saying, this is a struggle that I've had. This is how I dealt with it. This might help you too. And that's something people can relate to. And it's what I tell my podcast guests, right? I don't know if you tell them the same. Stop trying to be impressive because it doesn't matter how many millions you've raised for the people I've interviewed. It's just a number. Most people can't comprehend the difference between raising 120 million and 550 million. It's all just a big number. Right. Yeah. But they'll remember you if you can say a story about the struggle, right? Where one guy I know, he said that he was going to get married to his wife and his, like the parents-in-laws, they said that he wasn't good enough for her. So he was driven by this need to prove that his company was going to do well, to show that his parents, that his father-in-law, his mother-in-law, that he was worthy of their daughter. And that's something which a lot of people can relate to, of where they don't feel worthy to other people's eyes. And even though his, his company's worth have many billions now, they don't care about the billions so much. It's like, oh, there's somebody who's had the same struggles that I've had, who's made it to this level. And a lot of people, I think, have this idea that you can't be successful if you have some of these doubts and these problems, where it's actually very common. And through my writing, that's what I try to do a lot, is just show, yes, I've got whatever followers were like that, but I'm still struggling. I'm still got all the human issues. And as soon as you lose that side of you, that's where you fail. As soon as you're trying to pretend you're perfect. Like I, don't, I can't learn from somebody who's perfect because I'm not perfect. I can learn from somebody who's messed up and like, well, not necessarily messed up. I, I'm not putting myself in the messed up category, let's say. <laughs> but people are dealing right. with human issues, right? Everyone's got the same worries and the same imposter syndrome, all that sort of stuff. And that's how I think professionally, whether it's through the writing, whether it's through podcast guests, whether it's through connections, my network, it's because I talk to people like that. Whereas I've, I had somebody the other day who introduced themselves as, hi, I'm an award-winning entrepreneur and best-selling author. And I was just like, oh, I don't even want to talk to you. <laughs> like, seriously? That's how you introduce yourself? Not like, right. oh yeah, I, um, I'm... I, you just think, you know, I think, I don't know if it's, it's just a different cultural thing. And obviously people get very successful by acting in that way. So that's them. But I've always found the people who are most successful I talk to, they're the ones who are the most humble. And yes, they say about their achievements, but they say in a way where it's not looking down on you, saying, okay, because I did this and I had these problems, it means that if you've got those problems too, then maybe one day you can do what I did. And I think it's made, because there's a lot of people who've written, right? A lot of people who write and they do well and they get a following, but they maybe haven't had some of the opportunities that I've had because they're writing things that they want, they think people want to hear rather than who they are. Mm -hmm. And I've made that jump from writing to podcasting into the other things I'm doing because the common thread is in me, it's in my personality. And if you're just doing content or you're doing things because you think that's what people want rather than it's what you care about, that's what's going to, it sets the ceiling for where you can get to and you don't get as many opportunities, I think. Because you're coming from a place from identity. This is who I am. This is how it influences the work that I'm doing rather than here's how you're going to make your next thousand dollars writing on Medium or something. Yeah. And even then, a big part of it too that I always say is your identity changes over time and not being afraid to admit that. Where 
if you can admit you, some people are really scared about changing their niche or saying about how they're a different person. I'm a totally different person to before my dad passed away even, right? So since my dad passed away, I've set up a new organization, which is helping people from my community, entrepreneurs in London, well, in the UK. Because what I was finding, I was doing so much work of America, but there's this disconnect, right? Because everything I was doing in America is, is flashy, right? It's, it's great for me to tell people I've interviewed the founders of Netflix and Twitter, right? It makes me seem important. Yeah. But in reality, I'm not best mates with them, right? I can't just give them a call being like, hey, like, <laughs> right. do you want to go to the pub, right? I can't do that. But in my local area, I can create that kind of environment where people feel safe. People come to me for advice or people, I can connect other people together where they become friends. And I want to create that longer term impact, which I think is something I can do here. Whereas some of the things I'm doing more globally, I've had people message me about how this article has changed the way they think and have been for a hard place and how much it matters to them. But having that impact versus seeing that impact and knowing you're meeting people who've had where it's just, I think it's a different feeling. And that's maybe my own personality where the in-person side of things and seeing people and knowing the effect and they know people I know, things like that. Mm-hmm. That helps me a lot, I think rather than it being a virtual thing where I can't actually see the impact or can't see what's going on. Although the world is, is upside down from what it used to be. So now the, the novelty is to be able to spend time with people in, in real life, in flesh and blood. And so uh, I can imagine it being that much more fulfilling when you get a chance to see it right in front of your eyes. Yes, it, it's, it's wonderful to be able to affect people online, and I've had the opportunity to do that. But when you can look into someone's eyes and see the change, that's just for the record. Um, anytime you want to get together uh, and go to the pub, like I'm totally ready to go with you. So just let me know uh, when we can set that up. But um, I, I like to, to kind of end things here with three tactics, three practical things that, that people can do. And I was just curious, like, if you were to outline some things that people can do like right now, today, what would you suggest? So the first one I alluded to earlier about not lying when people ask you how you're doing. And what I think you find is that relationships are so much more genuine when you do that. And obviously there's different levels, right? You don't go into a 10 minute rant to your boss about how you're feeling. <laughs> right. But if you just say, I, I had a bad night's sleep and a bit grumpy today. They might be like, they might react badly to that, but also if you start realizing that your boss really doesn't care how you're feeling, it's a signal, right? It tells you like maybe I don't want to work with this person in the in the future. Right. So I think that breaks down some of the walls that we put between ourselves, and you obviously know as well when you're doing a podcast, if you can show vulnerability yourself, people reciprocate. People feel more open, more comfortable to tell you what's going on in their lives. So I think that's a great way to just get a better understanding of this world and. When you understand people, that's where the basis of everything, right? Then number two, I just realized my number two is really similar to my number one. Okay. So let's go for number three first and we'll go back to number two and make another one up. (laughs) And so number three is using self-deprecating humor a lot. And one of the struggles with being in the environment we're in now, where tensions are always high, people have different backgrounds and different beliefs. And it can be really difficult to know what you're allowed to say and what you aren't allowed to say. 
but the always a safe topic is about yourself, right? If you're making fun of yourself in a way that's not so deep, right? Where it's just being able to laugh at your mistakes, right? If you can do that, it makes life so much easier. Whereas when you're constantly defending yourself because you feel like any mistake you make is a failure on your part, it gives you into this whole constant fight in the world moment. Whereas if I can just say, like, I messed up, whoops, and laugh at it and then carry on. That resilience to be able to laugh at these moments is such a big deal, I think. So if you can train yourself to just... Obviously, if you've, if you've hurt somebody with a failure, don't laugh at them. But be able to laugh at the stupid things you've done once you've made amends. I think that's a huge thing because I've met people who've done crazy things of going to give aid in war zones. And they say when they're there, what gets them through is that the locals can have a laugh over a tea and coffee about stupid stuff. And if you can keep that humor, wherever you are, it will keep you going and it will stop that. that resilience. Exactly. Give you that resilience. The number I two. When I was in college. Oh, sorry. I, didn't, I mean, to cut you off there. No, no go ahead. Was, it gives me time to think of number two. <laughs> <laughs> when I was in college, um, I, I did not have a very thick skin and my buddies would just, you know, they would just make fun of me relentlessly. And we finally got to this point. So we were just like, we have this equation where tragedy plus time equals comedy. And, we would just always try to shorten the amount of time it took to start laughing about things, dumb things that we had done. <laughs> so yeah, there's a time and a place for it for sure. But it, it, that, that philosophy can really help uh, you build resilience. Yeah. And the, the final point I'd say is don't be afraid to just try things. I think we're so afraid of just experimenting and, a lot of the times, the worst case scenario isn't really that bad. Let's say you start writing online. Write online under a pseudonym, right? What's the worst that can happen? Nobody reads it. So what? And we get so afraid of people judging us in some ways. We don't just try things. And if you're, I, I have this rule that I call it experimentation, right? When you're happy, experiment a little bit less because what happens is people are doing well and then they're doing a million different things and they become un unhappy. Whereas if you're unhappy, then what have you got to lose? Try something new. Like I can see a guitar behind your head. Try and learn the guitar. Go to a salsa class. You don't, you don't need it to be the answer. It's, I think sometimes people think they have to find the perfect answer. But if you just try out different things, you'll find something you enjoy. And it might not be the first thing you try. It might be the 10th thing you try. It might be the 100th thing you try. But it gives you that hope of like maybe, like I didn't know it was a good writer until I tried. I had no idea. So what are you good at right now that you didn't even know you're good at? You, you'd have no idea that you've got talent for it because you're too afraid to try. So just find the easiest way to start something, have a go, don't quit your job for it first, just do it on the side, whether it's a hobby, whether it's a potential career, whatever it is, find out if you enjoy it. The only way to really find out if you love something is to test it out. And if you do that, like you'll find whatever makes you happy. That's awesome. Thank you so much for spending this time with me today. I really do appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Hey, thanks so much for being a part of the show today. Now, the worst thing we can do is let all this wisdom pass us by and not act on it. There's so much more to the show, but you'd be missing out if you don't subscribe to the newsletter. This is where you start to leverage these tactics that you've heard in the show in a very real way. So go to leverage3podcast.com and you can join right there on the homepage. 
Also, please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter where I'm at Craig Shoemaker. I'd love to hear from you. I hope you have a great day. Find someone to love, find someone to forgive and find someone to encourage today. Thanks again. And I'll see you here again soon on the Leverage 3 Podcast.